Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is a boxer out of Omaha, Nebraska. He's an undefeated super middleweight, Mr. Steve, Mr. Steven Soko Nelson. Thank you for joining me. Soko, what's up, man? How you doing, James? Hey, brother, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great myself. First of all, uh, thank you for doing this, man, because I know you got a lot going on. You got a busy schedule, so I appreciate you lending your time and your talents to my podcast. Oh, yeah, man. No problem, man. I love stuff like this. Now, am I correct? Are you are you still out in Colorado rehabbing? Yes, I'm in uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, this is where we come for, you know, training, training for our fights, but I also have a good physical therapist, so best place to come and focus on physical therapy. I wanted to, before we get into your career, I wanted to talk to you. Um, you recently tore your Achilles. How's that coming along? Um, it's been like a, it's been a long road. Cause you know, it's one of the, 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 the biggest injuries you can have as an athlete, you know, it's the biggest tendon in your body. So, you know, it's coming along and, you know, I've been positive about it and, you know, it's going with the motions, you know, cause I always feel like when things happen, you know, you just have to just roll, you have to just roll with it. You know what I find, what I find interesting is everybody that I've read who's torn their Achilles, they had the same reaction. They think that somebody kicked them. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I Like with me, I was up in the ring, so I, I I didn't think about nobody kicking me. The thing I thought about is because my friend Terrence Crawford was there, and sometimes he'd be watching the spar, and he'd correct me. He'd be like, hey, man, do this and do that. So I'm thinking he hit me in the back of my leg with, like, a stick or something, or I don't know. So he'd be like, hey, trying to get my attention. But I'm like, man, that was, like, too hard, dude. Why would you hit me that hard? So I turned <laughs> around to look to see who was behind me, and it was nobody there. Mm. <laughs> behind me. So then my next reaction was maybe I fell through the ring or something fell from the roof on my leg. When I looked down, the ring was fine, nothing was around. I'm like, what the heck just happened? And when I took that first step, it felt like I was walking down a hill and I was like, oh, I popped my kitties. I tore my kitties. Mm. Do you have you have you done any research about any other boxers who had this injury? Uh, briefly, I I kind of haven't really researched it because I'm I'm the type of person out of sight, out of mind. So I don't kind of think about it because I don't want to compare myself to others or if I see horror stories and stuff, it discourages me. But people I've talked to heard that athletes who's had it, they've come back stronger, and you know it's a full recovery. As long as I and they all everybody say the same thing: just make sure you do physical therapy. Make sure you do your physical therapy. So I've seen a lot of basketball players have it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they be on on their using their keys more than we do. So well, you know what? Basketball player will come back, I can too. What is do have you been given a timetable when you may possibly get back in the ring? Um, they have told me average times uh for me to get back to doing what I'm doing is 10 to 12 months. Okay. But what month are you at right now? Yeah, I should be walking and moving around okay within a couple months. Um, it's been I got hurt March 11th, so it's been been almost three months. It'd be two and a half months now. Let's go back to the very beginning. How did you get involved? Started boxing? 
Um, I actually started, I was in the army. I never boxed, never went to a gym. And I was 21, I was in the army. And um, my my unit unit commander told us all like, hey, you guys don't have to do the same regular army workouts every day. If you guys, you know, get involved in some sport or involved doing some type of constant workout every day, and you just show us proof, then we'll accept that. So I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of getting every day doing run, running, push-ups, sit-ups, you know, army workouts. You know, I'm going to try boxing. But not to compete. I never thought about, oh, I'm going to be a, one of the best boxers in the world. You know, I just wanted to do is extracurricular activity. And the first week I went to the gym, start training, and the coach pulled me to the side and was like, yeah, man, how long you been how long you been boxing before this? I'm like, this is my first week. He's like, no, not how long you've been back to boxing. How long were you boxing before? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I've never boxed before. He's like, oh man, you're a natural. So he, you know, he told me stay, stay with it. Wow. Wait, so what when did so it was just that, so just you actually just trying it out is what got you into it. Yeah, but it wasn't surprising to me because like anything I've ever done in life that I just try like you know and I focus on it and I, I'm determined I've always like prevailed fast and you know and and put myself amongst the best at it at what point did you decide you know what I want to start being competitive with this um, when I first started sparring, the first time I sparred, it was a guy, he was a, he was a, he was, um, he was in the Air Force and he won the all Air Force tournament a couple of years. He was, he'd been boxing for his whole life. First person I sparred was him. And man, I gave him work, I beat him up. <laughs> and he was my weight too. So I'm like, oh, okay. So then everybody was like, man, you gave Nick, his, his name was Nick. And everybody was like respecting him in the gym, like, man, you gave Nick some work, dude. And they all just started congratulating me, like, man, you gotta do this. And I just, you know, just kept doing it. And then it was a pro guy, I was in North Carolina, this guy that he was pro. He used to come to the gym and beat up on everybody. I sparred him and was beating him up. They're like, man, you gave Lamar, his name was Lamar. You gave more <laughs> work. So it just kept progressions from there. And then in my first year, I, I competed. I mean, I first started competing. I started January. I had my first. I had my first fight late February. What year? Uh, two thousand ten. Oh, okay, okay. And my first fight, and uh, I fought a guy super heavyweight. I, I was about two hundred twenty-five pounds when I first started fighting. What? Yeah, I, I always been like bigger. Even when I was younger, I was always a little chubby kid. I was bigger. I'm fighting this big old tall heavy dude. I beat him up. And at this point, you were still an amateur, right? Yeah, I was an amateur. I was still an amateur. And then I uh, went to the, the first year, my uh, coach, he used to be in the military. He was like, he was like, oh, you in the military? You know, they got like a, 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 a thing called All Army where every year they have like a tournament with, with Army people. And you can go there and and you can compete, and if you win all army, they'll take you to the armed forces tournament, and then you go to the you go to the thing. It's called SISM. It's like the World Army tournament, 
and then they'll take you to nationals and you can make the army permanent team where your job is it was called WCAT, World Class Athlete Program. If you make the team, that's your job. Every day you get up and you train and travel around the world and fight for the army. And your job is to hopefully one day make the Olympic team. Hmm. Would you, so would you training and, and being, I'm assuming you did, did you make the army team? The first year I went to, I went to all army and I made it, beat everybody up and made it all the way to the finals. And I lost a close decision. I mean, it, a lot of people felt it could have went either way. Lost a close decision. Um, he was a favorite. He won all army ball three, four years in a row. So he was a man. Um, but it was a heavyweight. I went at heavyweight. And wow. I went there, made all the way to the finals, gave him a good fight. He ended up winning. And, and the coach was like, hey, next year, man, I, I want you to come back. But I want you to come back. I want you to fight 178. Damn, light heavy. I want you to fight light heavy, man. I was like, all right. So that I went back to North Carolina and focused on making 178. And I went back the following year to All Army, and I won All Army at 178. This is 2012. I won All Army at 178. They they took me to the Armed Forces. I beat everybody at the Armed Forces. I fought a Marine guy, beat him 25 to two. Mm. <laughs> fought a fought a Navy dude. Beat him uh, twenty to six. Then I went to they uh, took the winners and took them to the thing called the Olympic reloads. It basically was Olympic trials for two thousand twelve. And I went to Olympic trials and I I had six fights under my belt. Damn! I went to the Olympic trials and uh, beat like three national champs. And made it all the way to the final, and I fought Marcus Brown. I heard of him. He's he's uh, the, the light heavyweight, right? Yeah, he out was of a, Jamaica. No, he from he from he from uh, New York. Yeah, but he's originally from Jamaica. I think his family is from is from Jamaica. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's still undefeated, right? No, he lost to he lost to Badu Jack in the pros. Oh, okay, okay, that must have been fairly recent. Hmm. Yeah, it was like I think it was last year. Was, I think it was last year. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I okay. went there. I fought him in the finals, and there wasn't one soul that that watched that fight that felt like he won. Everybody, you beat that dude, but you like like in it. That's one thing you have to. That's one thing you have to fight against when you're in the amateurs is politics. You know? Yeah. Oh god. And he was, <laughs> he was one guy. He was knocking everybody out. He had he even had guys not showing up to weigh-ins. They were scared to fight him. I'm like, man, I ain't almost going here. So everybody was like, man, like I didn't know what you was gonna do with Marcus Brown because he had everybody scared. He was knocking out everybody, but you went there and took it to his ass. I went there, and when I first started fighting, I didn't have the skill. I was just a natural fighter. I just went there and didn't care, you know. Being from where I'm from, Omaha, Nebraska, in the hood, and you know, being in the military, going to war. I ain't care. Ain't no dude gonna ain't no ain't worry about what this dude gonna do to me in the ring. And I ain't got nothing to lose. Nobody know me. It's, if he say if he do knock me out, I got six fights. Nobody <laughs> know me. I'm step to him. Ain't nothing to be scared of. What was your job in the military? Uh, satellite communications. Was was boxing a factor in you getting out or? Oh uh, yeah, it, it it really was because it 
it came to a time where it was like, okay, you you gotta re you either re-enlist or you get out and um go pro, but you can go pro in the military, but I'm like, okay, if I resign and I'm pro and I have to get deployed, that's gonna put a heart on my career. Yeah. Or if I get a unit, what if I read what if I what if I um re-enlist and I go to a unit that don't support my boxing. Mm. How many years in were you when you had to, how many years of service had you had at that point? Almost eight years, about seven. Wow. In 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 the final three years, I made like I said that next year I went to I went to the Olympic reloads. And I made it to the finals. That put me on the team. And then you know Marcus Brown went to the Olympics. He didn't he didn't do good in Olympics and he went pro. So then I became I came back and I became the number one. I was winning all the tournaments. Wow. And I made what? WCAP team, the world class athlete program. So my last three years was on WCAP. We're all this get up every day. I was here in Colorado Springs. And wow. Training what, and fight. What 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 would you say was the biggest factor in you deciding to choose boxing? Because the military, you know, it, it gave you a stable income. It was stable with boxing, you know. You know, we know it's politics, so anything can happen. So yeah. what made you decide to do boxing instead of staying in? Well, I look like military, I mean, military was never a career job for me. Where I where I grew up at and things that way I grew up and uh, you know, not 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 having a um a two-parent home and you know, been in the streets and getting a lot of trouble. I needed to go somewhere that gives me opportunities that took me out of you know, North Omaha. Mm. I had to get away and I was like, man, military, I'm using military for for um opportunities. It and once I get these opportunities, then I'm gonna go about and I'm gonna I'm gonna secure them and start doing different things. So once I secure boxing, once boxing came into play, I look at boxing like it was a young man's sport. You know, every every other skill I have, you know, knowing how to do the satellite communication, you know, being an artist, being a mechanic, you know, all the different things I do, being a carpenter, that stuff will always be in me. You know, I can do that stuff at 40 and 50. Mm -hmm. says, but boxing, you can only do when you're young. Yeah. Like, why not shoot my shot? You know, at the end of the day, I can just, all that's gonna happen is I'm gonna end up being back, you know, doing the things that I already know how to do. True. And you mentioned, I'm going to back up a little bit because yeah. I'm going to be honest. You mentioned Omaha, Nebraska, and that's not somewhere that we really think about violence and drugs. So I want you to talk about Omaha because that's not what we, we normally think about Omaha as being white. Oh, no. Omaha, Nebraska. Well, okay. Omaha, um, Omaha Nebraska is very segregated, if, if, if that makes sense. Like everybody mm -hmm. from different races, you know. And demographics live in the same areas. You know, North Omaha is predominantly black, you know, poverty stricken areas. Mm. You got West Omaha, that's where all the, you know, rich, you know, predominantly white people live at. Then you have South Omaha, is where all the Mexicans live. East Omaha is more because Omaha is right on the border of Nebraska. So East Omaha is kind of like, uh, down where the airport is at, on the train tracks and like the trailer parks and stuff like that. Carter Lake, it's, not, it's nothing really down there. It's like the border. So, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, 
you got to think about it. it's not a lot to do. It's not a lot of opportunities. So, you know, what, what and, and, and we are central in the United States. So a lot of the drugs and, you know, a lot of the people who migrate from, you know, Texas, California, Chicago and stuff, trying to find somewhere to go, they usually come and they end up crossing into Nebraska. Wow. You got different gangs and different, you know, just different drug dealers and stuff, all that stuff, but it's going through North Omaha. And I grew up right in the heart of that. Wow. So it got bad. You know, I was out on the street, you know, you know, gang banging and, you know, trying to sell drugs and fighting and getting shot at. And, you know, I, I ended up being shot myself. Wow. How and were you when that happened? I was 17, a year before I went to the military. Was that, the, was that like the life-changing moment where you decided you need to leave? Well, it wasn't that because I still was out, you know, doing dirt. What changed my life is seeing how my family kind of black sheep me. Because every time people was around me, stuff would happen. Get, get in fights, get jumped, you know, people pulling out guns and shooting at us. And my family like, man, we can't be around this. Mm. You know, they kind of black sheep you. They don't want you around. I'm like, damn. And then I was at my mama's house and some guys, you know, found out where I lived at and they shot at my mama's house. And a, a couple of times guys came to my house and was looking for me. It was like, yeah, let Steven know we're looking for him. Damn. And my mama, she delivered a message to me like, hey, I don't know what you got going on, but some dudes came in here and it looked like they was about some mess, some mess. You need to fix it. And mm. I'm like, man, like this shit's getting home. It's uh-huh. coming, it's too close to home. So you need, so you need, so it's just, need so it sounds like just getting away was a good, was not only life changing, but just a good overall situation just to go away. Yep. And I sat around, I thought like, what can I do? What can I do? I need to get away from here. I can't move away. I don't know nobody out of town, you know, going to school. I see, I had friends who, who had scholarships to college out of town and they end up coming back and getting into trouble. And then I was working out with my uncle Tony, the one you know, working mm-hmm. out with him one day. And he was just, he was just talking to me, me and my cousin, which is his son, uh, Tony. He was like, man, I see all this bull crap y'all getting into and all this stuff going on. Y'all need to get out of here, man. Yeah, cause y'all ain't doing nothing to get in trouble. Y'all need to go to the military. Mm. And this light bulb just <laughs> went off my head and everything he said after that, I don't remember. It was just like, <laughs> I just picture me going to the military and I was like, oh, I can't believe I didn't think about that. <laughs> And then I, you know, I was like, you know what? And like the next day, I went down to the recruiter's office and signed up. Wow! And you and was only eight, what, 17, 18? I was eighteen. Damn! It was right before my eighteenth. It was right before. No, it was right before my nineteenth birthday. I signed up May, and I was born in June. Hmm. Damn! I had got shot right before my eighteenth birthday. I was seventeen, and it was May. I'll never forget the day. It was May fifth. It was May 5th, uh, 2006. A month later, I turned I turned 18, sat around for a year, you know, still was out there and doing stuff. And then that following year, that's when I went to the military. Mm. 
how has how's the military helped you with your boxing career? Oh, when I when I um when I made the world class athlete program, because mm-hmm. you know, I did, it was basically like I was getting paid to be a amateur boxer. I was getting okay. paid the regular pay as a soldier. They paid for all the gear, all our equipment. We had the best, you know, the best state of the art gym. You know, Camilla, government money. You know, <laughs> you can't use government money. It's endless. You know, government money. People in there in debt. Yes, but they in trillion dollars in debt. They can get whatever they want. <laughs> you know? And then on top of that, like being deployed and you know going through the military program and building up like resilience, like boxing is like man. Ain't nothing like I haven't seen. Oh, yeah. And then I can't get through. I done been through all kind of stuff. Like boxing, this stuff is fun. Man. We're gonna we're gonna fast forward to your first pro fight. Did you did you sign with top rank right as your first fight or um no Terrence Crawford, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. So we grew up in Omaha together. We ran the streets together and everything. So I've been knowing him, being close friends with him, but he was signed with top rank. Okay. One of the top fighters. So the coaches, we had the same coaches and the manager and everything. It was like, hey, we can chop you to the top rank. But top rank um is more uh careful with 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 who they who they promote, you know. At the end of the day, being a being a black fighter, if you're not a like a bringing home Olympic medals, they're not really like putting too much into you you got to prove them mm. so they would give me fights they didn't sign me they gave me fights and like we'll see what you about it gave me a couple fights you know and i just kept showing up and showing up and within and i think 2000 i went pro 2016 they signed me january 2018 okay that's when i was officially signed to top rank but the first 2016, 2017, they were just giving me fights whenever. Whenever I needed this, this, this. Okay, let's see what you about. Let's see what you about. Giving me these fights, giving me these fights. What was it like stepping into the ring as a for first time as a professional? How was what were you feeling? Um <laughs> I got a fir- funny story my f- my first fight. You know, I was kind of nervous, you know, going to the fight, not knowing what it's going to be like. Um, not being signed nobody, not knowing if you the A side. So the first guy, he was one and zero in boxing, one and zero, one knockout, and he, he was an MMA fighter. So I'm like, okay, he got experience in the ring, so I don't know how strong he is, what he gonna do. Couldn't find no videos of him. <laughs> but when I got my confidence, this is the funniest story. I got my confidence when we was at the weigh-ins, and we was weighing in, and we faced off. We faced off, looking each other in the face. And he stepped back and he said, man, you have a nice beard. (laughs) (laughs) When he said that, I was like, oh, man, this dude caught me on my beard. This dude, I'm about to go ahead and whoop this dude up, man. I'm about to (laughs) compliment me on my beard. I'm sure that was the first and last time something like that happened. Man, I was like, oh, yes. I went, I knocked him out in the first round. (laughs) (laughs) But that first motor oh uh, gloves, like in the amateurs, I was never known to be like a knockout artist. You know, I was always aggressive, always came forward, but I never like just knock people out like cold, 
But when you get those little gloves on and you hit them a couple of times, you only hit them hard. Like the first fight, I, I didn't even try to knock him out. I would just do a, a double jab too and caught around the chin. He went down and I felt his teeth pierce through my glove. That's how I like, mm. like eh. I was like, damn. And, I, and he went down and I kind of was just like, whoa, I did that. Like, oh, okay. And after that, I just, you know, going there and do my thing. And I realized, like, man, like, it's a different level in the pros, man. You got to just box and do your thing. Don't even try it. It'll come. What size, glove, what size gloves were you – what size gloves in the in the amateurs do you wear and what size in the pros? In the, in the amateur, you wear you wear 12 ounce, but how they got them, all the weight is up top by the knuckles. Like, it's like rock'em, sock'em gloves. They're real – they like a lot of cushion. So you oh. boom, 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 boom. But they don't feel like you just feel like a thick cushion. It's like getting hit in the head with a hard pillow, basically. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> you know, so you I be in there speed, throwing a lot of punches, you know, getting them points. But in the pros, they weigh 10 ounces, 22 ounces smaller, but the weight is evenly distributed. And the only thing that's protecting your knuckles really is the hand wraps that you put under them. Mm. So when you punch somebody, they feel like the gloves is just meant to protect you. They're not there to protect the opponent. In the amateur, the gloves is more to protect both of y'all. But in the pros, they just protect your hands. So you punch somebody, they feel that. Boom! They feel that. They feel knuckles pierced through that. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That I've always I've heard I've heard it, but I've never really talked to a boxer about it. So it's just good to get like a first-hand perspective from somebody who's actually worn the gloves and threw punches with gloves. Okay. Now we this is something that I've been really wanting to talk to you about too. Your um when you come to the ring, you have all these different costumes. Like I, I remember one that stands out to me. I remember you did the Black Panther, but the one stands out to me was you was the Grinch because you had on all that green. Where'd you get the idea for these costumes? Well, okay, when I went pro, um, I know that, okay, let me tell you this story. When I first went pro, I um, I paid a guy to make me a uniform. And you know, they called me so cold. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna come out as Ice Light Mortal Kombat. I'm gonna come out as um, Sub-Zero. <laughs> I had him make me a uniform. My pro debut was like March or April. I hit him up in January. Like, hey, I'm going pro in a couple months. I need I need my uniform, man. He's like, all right, got you. So fast fast forward, I'm asking him periodically, hey, you, what's the progress on the uniform? Oh, yeah, I'm getting it done, I'm getting it done, getting it done. It came all the way down to the week of the fight. I'm like, man, what's up with my uniform, man? He's like, oh, I got you, I got you, I'm sending it to you. Send me your address. <laughs> then it came down to the, to the day of the fight. I ended up getting a little package in the mail at the hotel. And I opened it up and it was just a pair of trunks. And he <laughs> made me trunks, like a whole uniform, cornerman jackets, like a whole thing. I paid him $500. He played me. He didn't make them. He didn't give my money back. And I was like, you know what? Like I told you, anything I put my mind to, I'm going to figure it out. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own uniforms, dude. If this, and I'm going to be straight up how I said it. If this fat, lazy dude can do it, I can do it. <laughs> I was mad. I was angry. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. I went, you know, and looked up and bought me a sewing machine. And I took apart some of my old shorts, you know, some of my little training shorts. And I kind of, like, copied the, the like, the um, 
the uh, shapes and stuff, everything. I'm like, I can do this, and I just put it together. And in the next fight, I, in the first uniform I made, I came out as Blade. Had mm. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start every fight because I make my own uniforms. It's not expensive. I'm gonna come out as different characters. Most people just come out and use the same uniform the first couple of fights, so they start getting money to be able to afford these uniforms because they anywhere from five hundred to two thousand dollars for uniform. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I make these myself. I'll come out as different characters every fight. So I just kept coming up with different characters that I always grew up watching movies and you know, I had favorite characters, the people I wanted to be like. Wow. So you make the so you make it yourself. Yeah, I make the uniform myself from flat material, this cotton or or polyester, whatever, and sew it and make them all together myself. That Grinch, I made that whole only thing I don't make is the mask. I ordered a mask online, but the but the everything else I made. Wow, that's crazy. How long do it take to make it? Um, it depends on how I feel because it's just like art. Like when I do painting stuff, I do stuff when I feel in the mood. Cause you don't feel in the mood, you don't really do it as good. So usually, I mean, uniforms take me about a week to two weeks. Okay. I'm super motivated about the uniform. Like when I made one of my favorite uniforms was Shown Up. That's my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last I was amped to making that uniform. So I made that uniform in a week. Man, I, I, I never knew you made them. I always see you wear them, but yeah. I never knew you made them. Yep, I made them. That, that's a trip. I, I, I really do. I, the Grinch one, I think that one, I think that one got the most attention for y'all. Know if because that TV was that fight was on ESPN. That was my first televised fight. I was supposed to fight. That was a that was a blessing in disguise too. I was supposed to fight on Terrence Undercard in New York, December fourteenth, I believe. I was supposed to fight that year, and Rob Brandt. He was our training partner. He got injured in sparring the, like like the week before I was supposed to fight. December 7th or something, he got hurt. Tore his bicep. So he was like, man, he can't fight. So our coach, he was like, man, he said, it's sad that Rob Brent can't go, but I'm going to try to put you in that position because he was a world champ. So his fight was going to be televised co-main event. So my coach was like, hey, you know what? I know it's sad Rob is out, but let's instead of him giving it to somebody else, let's try to get you there. And he called them that night. He got injured. like, hey, Rob is out, but I got Steven. Steven could be, he can make that card. And I was for that that first title that I fought for. Wow. And they put me in that place and my first televised. I had a great show up and I won that first belt. What was the feeling like knowing you were going to be like in that big of a moment? Because that's it was a lot of people watching. Were you nervous or no? It's what you've been working for. I work all this time. Like this is what I wanted to get to. <laughs> it's like it's time to show up. You know, I was nervous. I was kind of nervous about the opponent because he was undefeated as well. He and he was he was the favorite, and all uh-huh. all the betting and everything. He was the favorite. He was ranked higher than me and all the, the stuff. And I went there and demolished him. Wow. How would you how would you describe the boxing scene in Omaha? Because a lot of people don't know there's a lot of talent coming out of there. Yeah, like I feel like 
like from bud bud accomplishments and then me coming behind them like it's becoming a hotspot all you see you go to the gym and now you see the gym full of kids inspiring and then these same kids when we first opened the gym five you know years ago they were just little kids and now they're growing up and they actually good they going to tournaments and like winning them and placing in the top in the top three in these tournaments they're like man we building something we like building like champions future champions now because omaha wasn't known for boxing only person there we were new for boxing was bud we had a couple gyms around there, but they wasn't like packed. It was a couple of kids going in and out of the gyms and stuff around there. But now it's like everybody want to buy, even adults. We have adults. I want to get into boxing just to come and get good workouts. Mm-hmm. You got trainers around there that's using like the boxing style training to train their their clients. Let me ask you because you've mentioned you've mentioned Bud a couple times. And we know how successful he is. I mean, he's arguably the top pound for pound fighter on some list. Yes. Would you, how would you say he's, well, his, has his success motivated you? Oh, of course. You know, because not, not even watching it from outside, actually being part of the team and being able to like talk to Bud anytime I want to and him coming to my fights and being in my corners and stuff like that is definitely a motivation. And it's like, it's it's also a test. It's like, man, I gotta, you know, I can't, I can't fail. I gotta go because you know, what I mean, he's doing it, and you know, and he looking like, and every time we we always fight, we fight on the we used to fight on the same cards. When he would fight, we had the same routine. He'd come to me. He was like, "Hey, bro, you start the show, and I'm gonna finish it." <laughs> that was always our routine. You dab each other up and shit, and like, yep, let's go. It's time to get it. You currently you're fighting as a super middleweight. Um, for those who don't know, that's 168 pounds. Where, how would you do? Where would you say the super middleweight division is today? Um, it it has become very competitive, being that Canelo's coming up and he's unifying, and everything has become it's become competitive because you know one person has all these belts. Now it's not four different people where you can go four different ways. Now there's only one direction you can go is this guy who's trying to get all these belts. You know, what I mean? so it's more competitive because before it was four belts with four different champions. Everybody different had a belt, so you can like, okay, I can go for this belt, I can go for that belt, I go for this belt, go for that belt. Do, where do you rank him? Do you think do you think he's legit? You said, do I think what now? Do you think Canelo legit at super middleweight? Yeah, I think he's a he's a very uh, good opponent. I, and I, but you know, I give him his props, but at the same time, I don't feel like he's unbeatable. I feel like I have the tools to beat him. You know, in in, in the mind, in the mindset, and the skill set. Like being being as analytical as I am, I see I see the things that I can do to to win that fight. What what? So who, in your opinion, who are the top super middleweights, excluding yourself? I mean, I know you how you feel about yourself as you should, but excluding yeah, yourself. I think, I think the 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 uh, guys who I always like. Okay, those guys at the top was. Uh, before Canelo was Benavidez and um, 
I give a lot of props to Caleb Plant. You know, I like his style. And I, I came up in amateurs with him. I was good friends with him. Okay. So I always respected his style and, and felt like he's a he's a good competitor. But I always felt like but Benavidez is, is is the biggest challenge at 168 outside of Canelo. So do do you do you think Plant will will get the fight with Canelo? You think that's gonna happen? Yeah, yeah. I think it's up to him and his team, really, because Canelo wants that fight, you know. And I think I think it's gonna happen because what 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 Caleb and his team is asking for isn't you know crazy numbers because most people they have priced themselves out like yeah I'll fight you for twenty million thirty million dollars <laughs> you know I mean but he wants for Canelo fight he wants he has he has the last piece to the puzzle and he wants ten million dollars that's not a bad ask nah, for it's definitely Canelo. not mm-hmm. when when Canelo is taking home thirty million thirty five forty million you know so ten million is not bad. It's definitely not. And he's and like you say, he's in a good spot because he has that belt and Canelo needs it. He has that last piece to the puzzle. And it's like, okay, Canelo, you, you want this belt? You want to work for it? And you're going to have to come with the right thing that's going to make me want to fight you. Because I don't have to fight you. I can just keep doing what I'm doing. You know, if, even the right thing to do in the sport is to unify. We want to see champions fighting champions, but he really don't have to if he don't want to. And and who would you pick if those two fought? Um, I will with my boxing sense, I will pick Canelo, who I favorite, who I want to win. I want Canelo. I mean, I want Caleb. I want Caleb to beat him. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because you, you have a you said, like you said, you have a relationship with him. So yeah, but not only that, like only that, like I always go for the underdog because it makes it possible for me, because I'm always the underdog. You know, everything about my story is the underdog. Starting yeah. late, being older, you know, being a black man, like everything is always an underdog. So it gives you hope. What and when do you look? When are you? What's the what's the biggest goals you're looking to accomplish? Because you you you've got you've established a good record. I, I when I look, what was it? You seventeen and zero? Yeah. Okay, fourteen knockouts. Fourteen knockouts. Yeah. Fourteen knockouts. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what is the biggest goal so you are you asking my biggest goals in my biggest goals in boxing? Yeah. Well, we, you know what? Period. Because we we don't want to limit you to boxing. Well, I mean that's just, <laughs> that's a lot, you know. <laughs> I'll start with boxing though. I mean, my whole point with boxing is using boxing to you know um, get the finances and the following to do the things that I really want to do that I always dreamed about as a kid. You know, boxing never was in the picture. Boxing just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I'm in the boxing, I find a, a, a love in boxing. Yes, I want to be a world champ. It'd be great to be, you know, a unified champ and everything. But my main goal in boxing is becoming a champ. If, okay. it, if, it, if, 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 I, if I never get a unification fight, I'm okay with it. To be a world champ where I can etch myself in. In, in history, and when I have children, I can show them my story. Like, I did this, your daddy did this right here. You can do it too. You know, to inspire people, that's the biggest thing. It didn't take my earnings and everything that I've gained from boxing, the people I've met, you know, and I want to be a a, a, um, a a serial business owner. I want to have a whole bunch of different businesses and all the things that I'm good at and that I like and that I enjoy. Hmm. 
and, and like build a platform. And I feel like my my biggest goal is building a platform that I didn't have, like breaking generation curses. I feel like I had to dig myself out of a hole and then try to build a foundation. So I can imagine how it would feel as a kid to have a foundation that you could just build off of. Man, that's that's a that's a wonderful goal to have, man. And it, you know, from on the outside looking in, you know, I follow you on um, Instagram. You seem like a great dude, a great guy, always having fun. And, and I really enjoy your page, and it's just great to see your success, man. And I wish you all the best because I know because it's good to hear a person with a plan that goes that's yeah. bigger than themselves. So I wish you all the best with everything moving forward. Right. And that's the one thing a lot of people forget about. A lot of people forget to have fun and enjoy life while they're making it up because you will look up and you didn't focus so much on trying to be successful. And you look up years in past and you didn't even enjoy it. Yeah. Look, oh, and before we go, I got to make a deal with you. When you have your title fight, I'm going to make sure that I'm there in person. Yep. I thought your I thought your uh was gonna be like, man, you get a title, man. You gotta give me another interview. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I, I, I mean I, look, too, <laughs> I gotta I gotta earn I that, forget. but <laughs> yeah, but I never I never forget the people who you know was there for me when I wasn't, you know, all the way at the top, you know, people who who was inspired by me or you know that liked my story before it was put on TV or ESPN and stuff like that. They actually follow me and, and actually enjoy the things that I do. Oh yeah, man, you got a great story and and, and it's, it's really good to get behind you because you're a genuine person and that's something that right. uh, we don't see a lot. Like I could just tell you have fun, you know, you, you like, you have so many, I'll say this, one of the things you've done an excellent job at is using your social media to show that you're more than boxing. Like right. you're entertaining, you show yourself uh, working on house projects, just a bunch of different things. So it's good to, you're doing a great job of promoting yourself and letting people see that there's more to you than being a boxer. Yeah, I appreciate you, man, for, for recognizing that and, you know, and knowing that, and that's my biggest plan is just, my biggest thing is just showing people like, you don't have to be, just doing one thing. There's so much stuff to life, you know, if you just, you know, just explore and just have fun, enjoy life. Definitely. Before we end it, let's please, let's show we tell the people how they can follow you. Oh man, everybody can follow me on Instagram is, is, is the main platform that I'm on. Um, Steven Nelson Boxing. Uh, I'm also trying to build my Twitter. So I need y'all to help me on Twitter. My name on Twitter is SoCo Nelson. And I have a fan page on Facebook, Stephen Soko Nelson. Okay. You guys follow me on those platforms. And you know, the big new thing, TikTok. TikTok is uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Nelson boxing as well, man. You want to you know, get some good laughs and I make good, funny videos and everything. And I have, um, if you're in Omaha, Nebraska area, I'm doing a comedy show, my first stand-up comedy show. What? You in the comedy? Yeah, I, I told you see all them videos I made. I mean, <laughs> yeah, man. And, yep, doing comedy, and then um, if they if they can't make it, look for for me. I will be uh, posting the video, you know, on a on like an on demand site. People can can like buy it and stuff, and you know, and help 
help support my rise, you know, because people gonna see a lot of me in all different places. Like, man, I see this guy everywhere. He's on oh, man. sports, you know, he's a good businessman. Like, I'm gonna be everywhere. Well, again, brother, I wish you the best and whoo, good luck with the stand. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So I definitely seen you a link too. You can make it. I seen a link, let you watch it and everything. Oh yeah, well, yeah, make sure you do that. Make sure you do yeah, that. For sure, for sure. All right. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with lamp and you can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.